Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. We are in a series today. If you've been with us, you know that we're in this Lenten series. And Lent is just the 40 days before Easter, not counting Sundays, though Sundays do count. Um, it's a time when we... When we we thin our lives in order to thicken our communion with God. This is the unpacking of our lives and just kind of letting go. How many along the way, you're a hoarder. You just grab stuff along the way and you're like, how did I get so much junk around here? This is the time to unpack that. It's a time to un- let go of that. And so this brings us to our scripture that we've used for this series. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 35. And again, it says, then calling the crowd, he's speaking to a crowd, to join his disciples as the invitation of God. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, which means deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will what? Lose it. (laughs) You'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the good news, you will save it. So we've been talking about the how, deny yourself, take up the cross, following after Jesus, but today I wanted to bring up a big word that is kind of, it, it, it undergirds all of this. And it's something that, that kind of, when Jesus talked about, he was talking to the crowd. There was a crowd there and there were people there. And the word that undergirds it is a very tough word for us today. And it's, it's this word that's going to come up. Trust. How many already you got an emotional trigger going off in your psyche, right? <laughs> because trust is very, very difficult. Because what, when we talk about trust, what we're talking about, we're talking about putting a bold confidence in something. We're leaning on something. We're pulling into it. And we're learning how to, to rely to the point to where when we trust something, like I think about it as, as, as a kid, you know, um, most of my hockey was played on ponds. And though we knew better, the minute that there was a skim of ice on there, I was grabbing my skates and running to the pond. And we would reach out and go, can we trust this ice? And we'd be out on it. And I, I would fall through many, many times. And, uh, but it never, ever stopped me. For some reason, I kept trusting it. I kept going out. I kept going for the hockey. And it, it kind of re- reminded me a little bit of that from the standpoint of we, we kind of test it. And the first time, we may reach out and put our foot on. And it, and it may seem okay. And we start going out. And we put our, lace our skates up. And then we fall through. And what happens with every time that you fall through? How many of you have had trust betrayed in your life? Right? So those of you raising your hand are honest. Those of you that are not are severely removed from reality. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, how many know who I'm talking about? He was talking about one time, and he asked that question. He said, how many of you have been betrayed by trust? And the rest of us, he's a clinical psychologist, so he said, the rest of you are psychotic because you're removed from reality. Because this is reality that we've all been hurt, we've all been betrayed. These are some of the top songs that are on the pop charts, right? We've all been hurt, and so that's why it's very, it's very tough. But today, I'm hoping that as we walk through this, as we talk about trust, that is so important, that we would hear from the Lord and receive from him. Can we just take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us? Father, we thank you because you are trustworthy. So, Lord, help us today, Lord, as we receive from your word. God, I pray the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. God, that we would hear from you. We need this today. I need this today. So, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us so that we can walk as men and women, children who are healed by you. 
trusting you in all that we do. And everyone said together, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So as we walk through, the first thing I want to I just kind of lay out is that, first of all, all healthy relationships are built on, what's the word? Trust. All healthy relationships are built on trust. We want trust when we want healthy relationships, but to have them, we've, we need to have this trust in our life. And it's important to also recognize that we were all made for relationship, right? And we're made for relationship because we are all made in the image of God. If you want to see what God looks like, look at your neighbor. This is your opportunity, by the way. And I would look at the neighbor all around you. Everybody, every human that you meet is made in the image of God. Whether they have hair or they don't have hair, they're all made in the image of God. See, and because we're made in the image of God, we were made for relationships. I love what Chip Dodd said. Chip Dodd says it this way. He says, God created you and me as emotional and spiritual creatures, created to live fully in relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God. We are image bearers of God actually stamped in our hearts with a hunger to live fully. However, this hunger cannot be gratified unless we are emotionally and spiritually Nourished by what? Relationships. When you and I live out of our heart-stamped characteristics, we discover our need for relationships. See, what he's doing and what he's recognizing, he's recognizing that we don't function well without relationships. We need relationships. I'm developing a relationship right now, okay, with Eden. I mean, it's, we don't function well without it. Without relationships, our world becomes very, very, very small. The more that we cut ourselves off, the more that we pull back, it may seem like a healthy thing, but our world goes from a big, wide world to this very small place. But in order to have these relationships, the ones that we hunger for, the ones that nourish us emotionally and spiritually, we need that secret sauce, and the secret sauce is trust. And and really, this is true for every relationship because every relationship is built on this. You know, when, when you go to work... There has to be an acceptable level of trust that those that you're working with, right, we're on the same page, we're working together, they've got your back. Uh, when you go to the doctor, <laughs> there's got to be a level of trust that she went to medical school, that she knows what she's talking about, right? That's, um, when we go to the, you know, the, the coffee house, I'm putting a lot of trust that that barista knows what they're doing. How many are with me in that, right? Uh, in, in our friendships, in marriage, See, we can't walk out the door without trust. And even, you, you know, when, even when you get on a plane, we're putting trust in somebody that we've never met before, someone that we never know that we'll probably never even see. But we're trusting that that pilot knows what they're doing. We're, we're, we're trusting that, that the airlines, they, they have these codes and these ethics that they go by. We're in this building today trusting that it will stay up because there are codes around us. There's a, there's a level of trust that we walk in in everything that we do because without trust, we don't function. And we need it these relationships to be undergirded with this so these relationships will work out. See, leadership experts, they know how important relationships are with this trust undergirding. In fact, they will tell you that the foundation of a solid team is trust. You know, one leadership expert that I've read a lot is Patrick Lencioni. And here's what he says. He says, not finance, not strategy, not technology. He says, it is teamwork that remains the ultimate competitive advantage, both because it is so powerful and so rare. And he goes on to say, if you could get 
all the people in an organization rowing in the same direction, you could dominate any industry in any market against any competition at any time. Even the Bible says how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. When a body of Christ comes together in unity around the Lord, there's nothing like it. When we're unified, when we, when we walk together in this way, there's nothing like it. But all of this has a foundation of trust. And here's why. Because without trust, there's no vulnerability. See, in order for me to have a relationship with somebody, whether it's a friendship or whatever it may be, a working relationship, whatever it may be, there needs to be trust that is evidenced by this vulnerability. I need to be willing to allow myself to be seen. I need to be willing to move beyond the facade that I think you will like. And we all fall into this trap. Well, I'll say all, many of us do. I do at times, right? I meet somebody and I want to make a good impression. I want to, I want to put something out there that's going to cause them to want to be my friend. Anybody else feel that way? Right? That's okay to say, isn't it? I mean, we, those, those are traps that we fall into. See, trust is so important. It's, it's this willingness to be known and to trust that person that they will love you and they will accept you. That's why the greater the vulnerability, the greater the opportunity for a relationship. And we all want this. It's the human nature that we all have. We want to have these close friendships. We want to have, have those places that we can go to and people and friends that we can, just, we can just bear our soul to and they still care about us. Don't you love people like that in your life? So we love it. Why don't we do this? We want it. We all want friends. There's songs about it. I could sing several, but I won't. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just go around being super vulnerable, right? Why don't we do it all the time? Well, there are some of us who do. We call them children. Children are very good at this, and we'll even observe it. Have you ever, ever, ever noticed how well children do at building friendships, right? Kids make friends. And even, I mean, I remember at one point look, look, looking at some of my kids, I'm going, they have more friends than I do. Like, they're going out, and they, they build these friendships, and they go, and they trust, and they pour it all in, and they're just willing, willing to do that. Matter of fact, I was, as I was going through this, you know, preparing for this message today, and, and I did this little study I'm going to share with you on children, I was thinking about to my childhood, and just about how trusting we are, how we make friends, because back in my day, we were outside all the time. It didn't matter if it was snow or rainy or sunny, we were outside. When the sun came up, I was up. I was going to my best friend Daryl's house. I would throw a rock at his window to wake him up. We, we would go out. We would dig worms. We would pull up some carrots and walk down to the river, and then we had a competition to catch the biggest trout, right? It was just, and we just went. Now, later that day, Daryl and I had a full-on fight. We're elementary kids, and by fight, I don't mean your nose is too big. I mean bloody noses. Can I still be your pastor, right? We were, I mean, we were just like, I mean, full on out, just go, 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 go. Guess what happened the next morning? I went to his house, threw a rock in his window, we went, we dug some worms, we pulled a carrot, and we went fishing. We got over it fast. Do I get over things that fast today? I don't. I still harbor things at times. I still hold on to things at times. There's still things that I bring to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm walking it through. But kids don't. Kids can move on. They can go on and they, they can get over that. 
And see, psychologists will tell you that as it relates to kids, that kids were born to trust, and, 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 they, and, they're, they're, and they, they have to because when kids are born, they're totally dependent on their parents. They can't do anything for themselves. They need them to dress them, to clothe them, to, to bathe them, to feed them, all these things. And that's why experts will tell you that the first 18 months of a child's life is so important because this is when the understanding of trust is built, the things that, that kids do so well at. Developmental psychologist and, and psychoanalyst Eric Erickson, he says this. He says that our experiences and support structure provided in our early childhood, it forms the basis of our emotional and psychological intelligence and well-being. He says that when trust is nurtured by others in kids, it brings about more trust. For children, reinforcing trust, listen to this, reinforcing a child's trust helps them to learn to cope and develop the life skills that can build confidence, character, integrity, honesty, and humility. When we teach a child to trust in those ways with the things that they already naturally have, we're building all these things, the confidence, the character, the integrity, the honesty, the humility, and these are the essential traits for survival, success, and leadership. I mean, who wouldn't want to hire that person, right, when they walk through the door? Psychologists will go on to say that this ability to trust has been described by psychologists as a shortcut in the brain that helps them to be so effective in their learning and development. Have you noticed how fast kids learn, how they will often learn faster than an adult will? They'll learn language quicker. I mean, look how quickly they learn how to walk, right? They're walking, they're talking, and before you know it, they're even repeating what things that you say. Because kids, they trust. And they'll tell you this ability to trust is that shortcut that enables them to learn so quickly. In other words, they're saying that that level of trust, it enables us to build close relationships that equip us to be effective in learning. This was exciting to me. Trust enables us to build close relationships that equip us to be effective in learning. That's why kids, they're literally, they're literally sponges. And, I, and even as a dad, I became so aware of how quickly they're learning that I'm like, man, I better bring my A game to my kids. Have you ever seen a kid doing something and you're like, where'd they learn to do that? And then you recognize, oh, from their dad. You learn immediately. They're picking it up. Everything is out there. It's in, they're, and they're, they're, they're pulling it in. So what happened? How did we go from such powerful, effective learners to being people that have these struggles? Why don't we as humans continue to grow in our friendships and grow in our ability to learn? And why is, is there just such short window for, for pure trust that facilitates all of this? Well, it's another big word, and that word is hurt. Right? See, we do really well until we hit pain. Once we hit pain, and we all hit pain along some, some point of the way, as I was asking earlier, when trust is violated, when someone tells us a lie or someone betrays our trust or someone hurts us, how we handle the pain in that moment determines our level of trust. And our level of trust affects everything else, our ability to learn, our ability to have these relationships that we so need that nourish us in so many ways. It affects everything. But unfortunately, what's our common go-to when we're hurt? Commonly when we're hurt, what do we do? We start building walls, right? 
We start building walls and we start putting all of these things in front of us. We want relationship. We want to learn. But if we don't deal with it, we start building these walls around us. And the challenge is that when we do this, when we start building these walls, when we start kind of putting these things up that we think are protecting us, we develop what the Bible calls a heart of stone. Ezekiel 36, 26, it says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put in you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. See, the Bible and the author is talking about what happens as we walk through this, that our heart becomes hardened. It becomes like a, like a, like a stone. And when you look through the scripture, you see the evidence from so many, so many writers that talk about what happens when our heart is hardened. Ephesians 4.18, it says, They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And then quoting the, the, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah, Jesus said this in the parable of the farmer casting seed. In Matthew 13, Jesus said, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, I, I would heal them. See, the problem with a hardened heart is that it's not selective. It's selective in the beginning, Right? Someone hurts me and I start building up this wall in front of me. But then for the people I'm like, there's a side door here. You can kind of come around. Just take the side door and I'll let you in. And that works for a while. But when we don't deal with the hurt, when we don't deal with the pain, when we don't deal with the trust that continues to diminish in our life, it becomes cancer. It starts to spread through to where now nobody can get in. Have you ever had somebody close to you just come up to you and say, you know what, I'm trying to talk to you, but it's just... There's no way in. I feel like I'm cut off. And it's somebody that you love. I've had people close to me say that to me before because I've been hurt. We've walked through things. I've built these walls. I've had this hard heart. And even my side entrances and all these hidden doors, those just became hardened. And now nobody can get in. Even the things that we want... It becomes so hard that we don't even let, let those come in. See, the hardened heart the Bible talks about here, it will destroy every relationship in your life and will eventually destroy your walk with God. See, sometimes we think that removing trust, we're protecting ourselves, but the reality is we're just hurting ourselves. I've even known of people that They've done that thinking they're hurting the other person, and the other person has no idea. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> they have no idea what's going on, and, and I'm the one who's suffering here. I'm the one that now I have a hard time understanding, I have a hard time engaging, I have a hard time moving forward in life. And it's, I think it's important to recognize this is the trap that the enemy sets. The enemy is setting this trap. The enemy is out to harden your heart, that when someone does something to you, it's like, I, you know, I knew she would do that. I knew they wouldn't do that. Pastor Duane doesn't really care about you. That guy over there, he's not really your friend. This was the trap that Cain fell into in Genesis 4. The opportunity that God gave him an opportunity to get out of. 
He allowed hurt to harden his heart and take over, and it mastered him. So how do we stay out of this trap? I mean, nobody wants to be in this trap. We don't want to be in that trap, right? I mean, everyone I talk to, including myself, and uh, yes, I do talk to myself at times. We want relationships so bad. Don't you want relationships, those friendships, that closeness? I mean, everyone I know, they, I've never met anybody that goes, I don't want to learn. I don't want to flourish. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to have these moments. This is the life that Jesus is calling us to. And we do this by following Jesus because Jesus teaches us how to trust. You know, I used to say, when I first became pastor here, one of the lines that I said, that someone even said one time, stop saying the answer to everything is Jesus because it minimizes it and it simplifies complicated issues. And I'm like, then what is the answer? The only answer I know is Jesus. Are there complicated things in life? Yes. But here's what I found. The more complicated it is, the more I better go to Jesus because he's the only one who can walk it out. Because when it's complicated, I'm not walking out of it. I'm not finding my way out. My flashlight was dropped a long time ago. Jesus is the light of the world inside of me. Jesus teaches us. And as it relates to trust, he teaches us to trust. Because if anyone ever had an excuse not to trust, it was the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because he knew I was not trustworthy. He knew that all of us were not trustworthy. And even in Isaiah, it even prophesied about Jesus saying that he would be despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. If anyone had an excuse not to trust, it was Jesus. He knew. He was misunderstood. He was lied about. He was rejected by his friends. He was betrayed by his disciples. He was killed by the people that he went to because they prayed asking for help. That's like being stranded on an island, and a rescue boat comes, and you start throwing rocks at it and trying to sink it because you're scared of it. And yet, he loved us. No one else has done this. No one else keeps offering over and over and over again to be with us. See, the fact that Jesus continued to extend trust, when you read about his disciples and all the crazy things that they did, I love Peter because Peter made so many mistakes and he even said to Peter at one time, get thee behind me, Satan, which is a huge statement. That would take a lot of therapy for me to get over personally. But as he walked through it, he still looked at Peter and said, Peter, I'm going to build a church on you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to pull you out despite all that stuff. He still trusted him. (laughs) No one else trusts like that. So how do we do this? Well, we start with the heart. See, when the Bible addresses these core issues, it goes right to the heart. It says your heart is hard, your heart is cold. It's a stony heart, so we need to soften it up. That's why Jesus said, he said, the good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good. The evil person out of his heart produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, the heart is a core issue that the Bible keeps going to, and it's a threat that keeps coming up because our heart is a thing that controls us. How many, you knew better what to do, but you didn't do it because your heart took over? All right? Mainly junior high, high school relationships. That happens a lot. (laughs) Dwayne's not quite ready for a relationship, okay? And her mom was right. See, this is the common thread. It's true for our physical heart. 
when the doctor says your heart's messed up, right, you want to listen to the doctor and say, yes, tell me what to do. I, want to, I know if my, if my heart goes down, I go down with it. So the same is true for a spiritual heart. Lord, where's my heart today? What, what do I need? And one of the things that we do, Proverbs 4 says to guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Your heart, your spiritual heart, determines the course of your life. Do you not like the course you're on right now? Do you not like what's happening? There's a heart problem. Because the results that you're getting are perfectly aligned to the heart that's leading you. There are no surprises there. It's my heart. And it says, guard it, guard it because from it flows the springs of life. One translation says, for it determines the course of your life. And when we're talking about guarding, we're not talking about walls. We're not talking about putting up a fortress. We're not saying, it's just me. All right, Stephanie, you can come in, but just us. Okay, no, uh, you're the good kid. All my kids are good, by the way. Uh, they can come in. <laughs> See, we're not talking about taking something and just burying it in a safe and just leaving it, right? There was, there was parables about how, no, you don't just bury it. When we're talking about guarding, we're talking about watching it over. It's almost like, the gar- like, the, like a garden that, that, uh, that Steph and I are, are doing right now. Steph's the brains, and I just haul dirt around and do things. But I tell you what, when you invest in something, you become pretty protective over it. Now, when you think about a garden, a garden needs sunlight, a garden needs water, it needs all these things, it needs some fresh air, it needs, the bees need to get in. I love bees because they pollinate and they do all these things and pull it in. But know what a garden hates or what this gardener hates? Squirrels. Squirrels are not nice. They're they're not fun and furry at all. Last Sunday afternoon... After I hauled in all that dirt and then Stephanie did all the planting and all the things, you know, I have a lot of stories of me growing up pulling carrots out of the ground. I'm like, I want carrots this year. I saw this stupid little squirrel go out there. So my first thing is I'll unleash Stanley. I unleash Stanley. Stanley runs out. But he has a bad habit. There's rabbits in our backyard. He chases the rabbit. He picks it up and he puts it down and goes, let's do it again. Let's play. So what did I do, right? What did I do? I put a net over it. I'm not saying it. It's something. We put this net over, we put it there. I've been watching the squirrel. I've been, you know, trying to get the whole psyche. And so far, so, so good. But see, if I took the approach of going, I'm just going to put walls around this. I'm going to just put a big wood fortress over. I'm going to just go through all this stuff. And then I go to harvest season and pull it up. What's going to be there? Nothing. I've got to guard it, but I've got to let these things in. We've got to keep the rodents out, but boy, we've we've got to let the sun and everything else that comes in that we need. This begins by trusting Jesus. The only one that has a track record is Jesus, right? A lot of times when we look at trust, Right? If you're hiring somebody, what do you look at? The resume. What's your work history? What's going on? When we go through these things that are important, when you're hiring a contractor, what have you done before? What are the things that, that are there? When your daughter wants to get married, you look at the, the, her boyfriend's uh, credit history her, and his background check and all those things. 
That's my plan anyway. <laughs> you look for the track record. And I'm going to tell you, boy, when we're singing those songs, they just got in my spirit today. He won't fail. He's never failed. Every bad thing that's happened, every bad thing, I'm 51 dadgum years now, every bad thing that's happened, my fault, things that I've done, when I give it to God and said, dear God, have mercy on me, a sinner such as I, he has worked everything out to the good. Was I stressed out and hurt and whatever? Yes. But what I'm finding is that he's building me strength to strength to strength. COVID, I had new hurts I didn't know you could have. <laughs> Isolation for an extrovert is pretty hard. <laughs> the Lord used that. The Lord used this every time. Now, there's things I'm going through now that he's still working out. There's still things going through. And Paul talks about even the thorn he had in his side that's still working out. But when I look at the track history... And when I compare what I did compared to what Jesus did, it's there. That's why the psalmist said, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. Psalm 125, those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem. And man, have you been checking the mountains out this week with the clear skies? The Cascades, the Olympics. So the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. Psalm 37, over 50 times in the Psalms, David talks about trust. And when you read about David, he was on the run. He was in the cave. He saw Saul go to the bathroom, okay? And I mean, it's crazy stuff. This is in the Bible, all these things. And yet he trusted the Lord in every situation. Psalm 9, those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. And he talked about it so much that his son Solomon even said this. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. That's that awe, that wonder, that majesty of seeing all that God is. And turn away from evil, and then you will have healing. Who wants some healing today? Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. I need that. So we can look to God and look to Jesus and say, Jesus, your track record, (laughs) perfect. He won't fail. That's why I can sing those songs. But here's the thing with following God. As we do this, as I trust God, as I walk with him, do you know what God's going to have me start doing? Trusting others. That's the hard part. But what you'll see in Scripture is that our walk with God is always connected with each other. We do it with our kids, right? When Daryl and I were punching each other in the face, our moms were like, now go tell them your story and go fishing. Okay. It's always connected to each other. Our love for God connected to others. He even says, don't Don't tell me that you love the one that you haven't seen if you can't love the one that you have seen. Everything. And even in worship and prayer, when you go to the altar and you're you're bringing your worship to the Lord, it's like if if it comes to your mind that you've got odd against something, Jesus said, get up and go make it right. 
get up and go make it right. See, love will always cause you to go in this way. This is always the test. Love will cause you to trust people that otherwise you would not. Now, there's a process in that. I'm not saying remove all justice. Because justice and love, justice and trust, God is also just. So I had someone come to me one time, and they said, well, Pastor Duane, you know, what if I've been hurt, I've been abused? I've been abused by my boyfriend. All this is going on. Like, do I just say, you know, forgive it and it's gone? No, 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 no. You need to, for, you need, you need to walk through forgiveness for your heart and call the police. Those things go together. Because when you look at the Bible and you walk it through, there's always justice. Get up from your going, go make it right. If I owe somebody money, I need to pay it back. If they say I forgive you, yes, they're, they're forgiving a trust that's been broken. Things that have been there, no, I need to make it right. I need to walk through that. That's how we walk out with one another. Those things come together. Justice, forgiveness. But what forgiveness does is it makes our heart right walking you through. And some things take time. Some things is more than just I forgive you. Have you ever said I forgive you to somebody and you're like, I want to believe it to be true. <laughs> and I'm walking it out. But you know what? You, you profess, you start pressing the mouth, you start walking it through and you start dealing with it. And yes, we, we, we have things to deal with. We have people that we got to talk to and try to work this out. And sometimes the situation is, yes, you call the police, you, you walk through those things. But the heart in all of this for God is that, reconcil- that, that forgiveness so that we can be reconciled to God. See, that's why the key part in walking out trust as it relates to us is that word forgiveness. See, trust will be tested. People will disappoint. We're going to disappoint people. Right? If I were to say, everyone here that's been disappointed by me, raise your hand. (laughs) You're all so nice, you probably wouldn't. But there's disappointing things. There's disappointing things. There's times that we walk in those ways. There's times that we disappoint each other. We make promises that we could never keep. Over every one of my four kids, I was there for all of them. I'll never forget when Raleigh was born, I looked at him and said, Daddy's always here. Nothing's ever going to hurt you in your life. (laughs) Lie number one. (laughs) And I told that lie to all my kids. Daddy's right here. I was even crying. If you ask my kids if they've been hurt, they're going to be like, yep. <laughs> we make promises that we can't keep. They've had broken noses. They've had broken arms. They've had hurt feelings. They've had all these things happen to them because we're, we're going to fail. And trust is vulnerable in this moment, but trust is also built in these moments. See, forgiveness is trust. But Jesus' disciples, they witnessed this in the life of Christ. As they walked it out. They saw it so much that Peter even asked, again, I love Peter. Peter asked Jesus, because he saw Jesus, right, forgiving and walking through all just very difficult times. And the Bible has this account where when Peter went to Jesus, and he, he thought he was saying something that Jesus would go, you got Peter, guys, follow Peter. Peter knows what he's doing. He said, Lord, 
what if I forgive somebody seven times? See, in Judaism, three times was like noble. You were only expected to forgive somebody three times. That was like you were a good person. So Peter's like, you know what? I'm going to double it and add one, one for each day, seven times. Is that good? And while Peter waited for Jesus to give him an attaboy, Jesus took that number and he said, no, Peter, it's 70 times seven times. And you're doing the math? It's 490. (laughs) And it's not about the number. It's a number that represents over and over and over. Over and over and over. And as I was walking through this 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 week, just praying through this, because trust is tough for all of us, I was like, it was like the Lord just spoke to my spirit and said, Dwayne, think about it this way. How many times do you want me to forgive you, Dwayne? It's more than 70 times seven and counting. How many times do I want to be forgiven? See, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, if you want to walk with me, you got to trust me. And if you trust me, you're going to walk in some very difficult times of forgiveness. And it's going to be painful. That's why I said to disciples, you, 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 you've heard the law says, there was a law that said, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. It's okay to hate your enemy. But Jesus said, look, I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He said, in that way, you'll be acting as true children. It comes back to children again. That's what, that's what kids do. Forgive him and move on. Oh, okay, mom. I said that while I was wiping blood from my nose. No problem. They didn't think about it. <laughs> he was a better fighter than I was. <laughs> okay. I wanted the relationship. I wanted to fish. I wanted to do all those things that we enjoyed doing. We had little matchbox cars that we played in. He had an Atari game before I got one, so I, that was, you know, I was, I'm not cutting off that guy. He's saying you'll be like who you are. Your identity is a child of Christ. He said, for he gives sunlight to both evil and good, and he sends rain to the just and the unjust, If you love only those who love you, there's no reward in that. He says, even, and he put in one of the the most evil people to them that you could think of, even corrupt tax collectors do that. He was actually one of the disciples. He said, if you're kind only to your friends, how different are you from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But he's he's like, look, children, you're to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's why the quickest way to soften your hardened heart is forgiveness. But it's tough. See, Jesus talked about it so much because he knows if, if we lack forgiveness in our heart, it hardens us, it hurts us. If my heart is hard, the person I have a covenant relationship with is going to suffer. See, a hardened heart that separates us from God, it separates us from his voice. So how do we forgive? Well, it goes right back to step one. Deny ourselves. It's not about me. Deny myself. 
that's hard. Because <laughs> see, even though as a kid I was wiping blood from my nose, some of you, you've been hit hard. And like, God, do you see? It's like, look, you want a life the full? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Now follow me. Follow me. No thought for myself. So what it says in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Come on, children. And with that comes a promise. Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Is that word again? Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. You can see all kinds of stories of people who've been through horrific things and they've stood before people who even tried to kill them, thought they were dead. And they've been able to walk in forgiveness. And I look at my stuff and I'm like, my goodness, God, I need to trust in you. Deny yourself. You want healing today? Deny yourself. You want fullness, rich lives? Deny yourself. There's a process in that. The Lord leads you in this. The Lord will walk you out in this. It doesn't mean that everyone's going, everything's going to be reconciled because reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness takes one. I can forgive you without being reconciled to you because that's a process of making things right, all that stuff. But the Lord speaks to us and he says, you ready for a soft heart? You ready to hear my voice? You ready to walk with me? You ready to have those rich relationships? Trust me. Love your enemy. And the only way to do it is what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow them. Can we all, let's all stand together today. Lord, we thank you for your word. I know it's complicated. I know it's tough. That's why you broke it down. So, Lord, I pray for those today that they're hearing that, and boy, this triggers are flying, flags are waving. Lord, help us to, in this moment, to put it aside so that we can experience the voice of, of God. We can experience the Holy Spirit filling us. Because, Lord, right now you're looking at us, you're, you're looking at our heart, that the enemy wants to harden, to destroy us, that you want to soften, to bring healing. Do your work in us today as we respond. Amen. As, as we respond today, the team's going to sing this wonderful song. But take a step. Take a step. Do a heart check. Ask yourself, how is my heart today? Where does it need some work? And a lot of times, the first thing the doctor will ask, where does it hurt? Where does it hurt today? Where is Jesus asking you to trust him? And what steps is he asking you to take today, this week? We have wonderful people here that would love to pray with you. There's communion. Maybe you came with a wonderful person today and you need to turn to them and say, oh, help me. <laughs> this, this, this is hard. Let's take some moments to respond. Go to the prayer wall. You can write anything down. We don't analyze handwriting. 
If you can't read it, it's probably my handwriting. Respond. Let it out. Let that work begin. Amen. Lord, help us now walk in the healing you have in your name. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord today. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all will be added. I feel like I need to add just one more thing. Don't worry, it'll be quick. Trust is not blind. Just like I said, right? For the fiance, background check, credit report. I have people in my life that I trust. I will tell Stephanie anything, everything, total trust. But if my leg is broken, I'm not going to trust her to do surgery. No offense. Right? I have some of you wonderful friends that I will trust with some things. As we walk this out with the Lord, we have our hands on the steering wheel being led by him. There's a process in this. Trust me to be your pastor. But again, don't trust me to do a leg surgery. You know, the Kraken should not trust me to be in the net. I might do better, I don't know. Um, joke. We walk in this with the Lord leading us and guiding this out. Because here's the thing. When someone has hurt you, there's an opportunity for forgiveness. There's an opportunity for reconciliation. And there's an opportunity for a new track record. He makes all things new. There are things I've had to walk in and, and to rebuild. Trust doesn't mean I close my eyes and go, the car is going to drive itself. No, trust means the Lord's going to guide me and lead me in this and walk in this. But I need to walk in forgiveness giving opportunity, letting my heart be soft. Does that make sense? I know for some of you that may seem like common sense. But the Lord leads us in this, in making things right. And as you go in this process, boy, find somebody. Talk to one of our pastors. Find somebody here. Come for prayer after and say, you know what? I got a tough situation I'm walking through. And I just, I need the wisdom of the Lord in that. Keep walking. Trusting Jesus. Trusting he'll lead us in trusting each other. Amen. Does that make sense? Makes sense, right? So Lord, we thank you for your wisdom today. Thank you for your goodness. Help us to walk, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following you in your name. Amen. Thank you for being here today. I know I went a little bit long. Thank you for staying. Here's our benediction. Let's say this together as we enjoy the sunny Seattle that's out there. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus. I love you all so much. God bless.